Welcome back to another episode of the Aim For You Ladies podcast, where we focus on self-acceptance, our mindset, and living our best life. I'm your host, Sophia Tuckett. Good morning, pod goddesses, and welcome back to the Aim For You Ladies podcast. Today's episode is focused on parenting and letting go of perfectionism. I have Maria Harrison joining me, and she is a parenting and motherhood coach who supports mothers to ditch perfectionism. I hope every single one of you stick around for today's episode, because if you are a mama or a caregiver out there and you are finding yourself being triggered, frustrated, or just ripping your hair out because of your kiddos, today's episode is definitely something you want to stick around for to the end. And if you are joining me for the first time ever, welcome. I hope that you stick around, subscribe, and leave the show a review. Every review counts, so please support the algorithm so more women can find the show. Let's start with today's episode with Maria Harrison. Thank you for joining me, Maria. I'm excited that you're here. And I want to dive into how to support our little ones with elevated emotions and what that looks like. You know, one of the things that I think is the biggest way that we can support our little ones is first off taking care of ourselves. So making sure that we're actually, and I know that everybody tells us self-care, self-care. And all of us moms are like, yeah, okay, that sounds really amazing, but like, I don't have time to take care of myself. I don't have time to do all the things that I want to do. But even when we can take 30 seconds to take some deep breaths throughout the day. Like it is now to the point where my husband will look over and we'll be driving somewhere and he'll start to talk and he looks over and I'm like sitting there breathing in the car. And, you know, it's just these like little pockets of time where we can stop ourselves, take a couple of deep breaths, even three breaths, which takes you like literally 15 seconds to just recalibrate yourself, to allow your own self to come back down into a really neutral state. And if we can get into a habit of doing these things over and over again, and obviously we can go into deeper self-care, like moving our body, you know, taking like larger chunks of time. But if you can't do any of it, if we can even just take moments. And what I love to do is I love habit stacking. I don't know if you're into habit stacking, Sophia, but like I love matching it up with something that I'm already doing. So even if that looks like, you know, every time that I go to the bathroom, I take three breaths when I'm in the bathroom or every time I'm making a meal, I take take a couple of deep breaths before I start making that meal. Like whatever it is that can kind of get you into that habit, if you match it up with something you're already doing, then you're more likely to integrate it into your life. And then you'll just start to feel better and then you want to integrate it always. So that's my first thing is I feel like we get right into kids all the time and we forget about the parent. We forget about the fact that we can support our children only when we have enough in the tank. And that doesn't mean that we never can support our children when we're kind of feeling empty because, you know, we are kind of superhumans, but um, but it just feels so much better when we have more in the tank to give. So then when we go into supporting our children is number one, looking at s- stopping like we're always looking to solve the problem for them. You know, they're having an issue, they're having a big emotion, whatever it is, whether they're fighting with a sibling, whether they're having a breakdown, we always want to solve it for them. And so if we can just be aware 
that's the number one thing is can we be aware of the fact that they're just experiencing a big emotion, whether it's yelling, whether it's crying, whether it's frustration, whether it's them telling themselves like it's not good enough, whatever it is. But if we can just be aware, like, wow, they're having a really big emotion and just identifying it for ourselves and allowing ourselves to realize that big emotion actually has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with what they need. And so when we can get into this awareness of the fact that they have these big emotions and that they mean nothing about our parenting, they mean nothing about us solving the problem, we just get so much better at handling everything that comes our way because we have so much more compassion. If you come home at the end of the day and you're feeling really fired up about something that happened at work and your partner or somebody who you live with or you call a friend and whoever it is that you you kind of unload to and they're just like everything's going to be fine it's all going to be okay like it's really not that big of a deal you're going to be like yeah actually you know i have a lot more feisty words to use um but i'll keep it clean but you know you're just going to be like uh no actually i feel like legitimately frustrated right now and but when it comes to our kids we just want to solve it and we want them to know it's okay. We want them to know that it's not a big deal. And we we just start cutting them off from their emotions. And so when we can get into this place of compassion first, this understanding that A, they have emotions, B, their emotions aren't bad for them, and that when we can allow them to learn how to really get in tune with them and that we can show them that they're safe to have them, we give them so much more freedom. And so, you know, one of my biggest things that I really love to do, I know I've given you a kind of a bunch of them, but is I love to get down to their level. And I know you and I have talked about this before is getting down to their level, getting down onto the floor, really allowing them to see that we're equal partners here and that we're here to work together. When we can get down to their level, we show them that we're on the same page as them. We're not better than them. We're not this all knowing person. We're not this person who has to sweep in and save the day for them. We show them that their emotions are important, that we're there for them while they experiencing them, and that they will get through them, not through our words, but through our actions. And so when we get down to their level, we open up our body. So I'm not sitting there like trying to like force them, like, stop, it's okay. You don't have to cry. It's like we witness them. We witness their emotions. And we keep our body open so that they know that they're available to come. We let them know. We understand that they're having a hard time. You know, I often I'll say to them, I know, I know it feels really hard right now. Like, I love you and I'm here for you right now. You let me know if you need mommy to do something. But, you know, and I will always offer a hug. Like I always say, do you need a hug? Like, and I just keep my body open and I allow them to come to me rather than making them feel like they have to stop that emotion in the midst. And you, when we allow this to happen, we actually see that the emotion lasts so much shorter than when we're trying to like just fix it in the moment. And so if we connect first, if we really just show them like, I'm here for you, we're connected, I'm not scared of your emotions, I can handle your emotions, and therefore, through our actions, you can handle your emotions. And we could go into like co-regulation and everything. But yeah, so that's my long-winded answer for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that answer was loaded. 
Maria, you said so much there and I love it because you said so much. So first off, the one of the biggest things I've taken away from what you've said and I can relate to is the simple fact of like what they're going through has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your parenting. It has nothing to do with how you show up that day or last week or in the last five years of their life. What they're doing has everything to do with them. And that right there was really hard for me to accept. And I think it comes down to like taking this mothering role so seriously. I mean, my mom did the best she could as a single mom, but there was a lot of my needs not met. And I didn't, obviously, when you're a kid, you don't know what your needs are and when they're not being met. But like, as an adult looking back, I can see that. I recognize it. And like being pregnant and going through the whole thing, I'm like, I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad and all these things. And then getting into the parenting, I'm like literally finding myself in tears, like fully shook because like I was showing up like the parents that I felt weren't doing the best they could do for me as a child. So like you said so much there and that one realization of how you parent today, yesterday, last week, eight months from now has nothing to do with how they're showing up now is like, I don't know, gem for me that I've been able to like really hone in on in the last three and a half to four years. So I want to buckle back, though, to the one thing that's like a great takeaway. You spoke about self-care and a lot of us understand self-care on like a very basic level. And late last year, I had an episode on like taking these mindful pauses and you brought that in. I just want to I want you to elaborate more on the importance of that, because I think that is so greatly important for just moms, women. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or just trying to work the nine to five and doing the thing, you know, why is it important? So really bring that in for us. Yeah. I think, you know, I first want to preface it with anything that you do for yourself is self-care. So if you taking, you know, I feel like bubble baths, for example, have got a really bad rap of like, it's not self-care to take a bubble bath. If you can get in a bubble bath and it feels good to you, take the bubble bath. Like whatever you need that's going to feel great for you in that moment, do it. Just do it. Yes. I think we forget about is we always look at the external things. We look at, you know, going to the spa or getting friend, going out with our friends or having the bubble bath or whatever it is, nourishing our bodies. You know, we look at these external things, but we forget to really take in all the internal ways that we can actually do self-care. And yeah, like I just think, you know, like I said, how I started off with just adding in those few deep breaths a day, that has been life-changing for me, you know, just allowing myself to know that I can stop wherever I am. You know, if I'm going into a store, I can stop and take a couple of deep breaths before I go in. That's self-care. Before going and picking up my girls, I can do a couple of deep breaths before I go get them so that I'm fully in my body and present for them when I actually pick them up because I've already had lots of stuff going on throughout the day, right? If I'm in the car and we're all going somewhere as a family, I 
don't have any problem just stopping and ignoring everybody in the car for literally 20 seconds so that I can drop myself back into my body by taking a couple of breaths. That's self-care. That's me recognizing in this moment, I really need something and all I can give to myself is the one thing that I literally always have is my breath, right? Like I can go anywhere in the world and I will be able to give myself that breath. So that's my like number one thing is just doing, you know, I really, you know, okay. So I really love doing the two to one breathing. So I really like going in for four, holding at the top for four and then drawing out for eight. So I personally really like that. Another one is the box breathing where you would do breathe in for four, hold at the top for four, um, breathe out for four and then hold for four and then do it more in a box. So those are the two breaths that I really like doing. I personally enjoy the two to one. I just find that longer exhale, exhaling through my mouth, really, really beneficial for my own body. But I think it's also a very personal thing as well of like what feels good in your own body. But that one, and then the other one that I think is a big internal that we forget to meet is how are we talking to ourselves in the midst mm. of everything on? Like, how are you taking care of yourself based on the dialogue that you are having internally? You know, how are you talking about yourself? How are you showing up for yourself when you make a mistake? How are you, you know, talking to yourself when you are feeling really drained or when you're sitting there helping your child through a big emotion? How are you navigating yourself? Because this is a part that I think is missed, right? Is we think that we just have to show up for our kids. And let me tell you, when my girls are, you know, I have two very deeply feeling girls. And when they, and they're, you know, they get frustrated, they get mad. Like they are normal human beings here. Like they're, they're not these like perfect little angels who are just like sitting on a chair, you know, waiting for everything. Like they're normal human beings. And That means taking care of me in the process of dealing with them. And so my self-talk is me reminding myself to breathe when I'm helping them through something, me reminding myself that what they're going through has nothing to do with me, me reminding myself that they just need my presence, me reminding myself that everything's going to be okay and that this is a moment in time and that I'm here for them during this moment of time. And when I'm done supporting them, I will support me. Right. And this is the thing is I can know that I'm still going to come back to me. And this to me is self-love is I'm not just dealing with them and then moving on to my next task. I'm dealing with them and then I'm stopping after and just like allowing myself to come back to myself, too. And this is to me the definition really of self-love. Mm-hmm. And it's important, very important to come back to self. So you mentioned presence so many times in this little bit, like five 10 minutes we've been speaking. And I really want to get back to that because I know for me, it wasn't until I started meditating and I set a goal for myself of like 365 days every day. That is like your bare minimum. You need to do that. And I didn't get to that point until I hit rock bottom. Do you know what I mean? Sitting at my kitchen table, like bawling my eyes out. What am I doing? How can I make this better? I need to change. And meditation was the only thing that came to mind at that time. So presence. Now, a mother that has children and that may not be as present, how do you support that mother to come to a space of like self-awareness? Because that's really what presence is. Yeah. And I, and you know what? This is such a good one because 
when I first had my oldest daughter, who's now seven, this was a really big thing that I beat myself up for is not being present enough. And my definition of presence was really perfection. And so this was something that every day I grappled with to the point where I bought the mug, be present to remind myself, right? And even if it's something just like that, that this became my favorite mug that reminded me of the goal that I was aiming for, right? Is presence doesn't mean that I am with my children every moment of the day and I'm never doing anything else. And this was kind of what I was aiming for at the very beginning, right? We were told have to be with your kids. You have to be doing all these things, right? This idea of this perfect parent. And the thing is, is we can be quote unquote perfect without being perfect is we can be really present for 15 minutes a day. And that 15 minutes is going to be the golden 15 minutes that your child is going to remember versus you just getting by all day and being in their space, Right. And this was a big thing for me to come to because I was with my daughter all the time, like on mat leave, of course. But like it was like I felt this pull of like I wasn't nourishing myself because I wanted to be with her because I felt like that's what presence was. Doesn't mean I'm with them all the time. Presence means that when I'm with them, I'm actually with them. And I think, you know, with your idea of setting that goal for yourself of meditation, I think that this is a really great practice, even if you can do literally a practice of one minute, one minute of meditation a day. If you set that timer on your phone and you just sit with yourself for, like I said earlier, the 15 seconds that it takes to do, you know, three two to one breaths or whatever, this is how we learn what presence feels like because we're Mm -hmm. being present with the breath and we teach ourselves what presence actually means. And then with our kids, what we can do is, you know, we can start off small. Maybe it's, I set a timer for five minutes where I'm not going to have a device. I'm not going to be thinking about my to-do list. I'm not going to be thinking about, oh, I have to get to the dishes, but I set a timer for myself for five, 10, 15 minutes, you know, a half an hour, to an hour isn't always possible every day. But if we start small and we practice presence in really small increments, we actually naturally just grow our own presence muscle because we're just practicing it. And it actually feels achievable. When we try to be present all the time, well, that's pretty hard in today's day and age with all the the social media, the tech, the people, you know, it's just pretty hard. So if we can set these small goals for ourselves where we can actually be present and meet the goal of presence, we grow the muscle naturally and we become more and more present in our daily lives. And that presence doesn't equal perfection. It doesn't mean I'm present from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, right? Like right. we're human here. No, I love that. Thank you. That was so perfect, Maria. So give us a little background. Like, how did you get to this point? Like I shared with you, like I'm crying at my kitchen table four years ago. I'm like, I need to do something different, right? Frustration. I felt like I was at rock bottom. And I'm sure multiple parents have felt this way. For you, what was it? Like, what brought you to a point where you're like, wait, I don't want to be perfectionist. I don't want to be present in the space of like helicopter parent. What brought you to the space where you recognized you needed change? Yeah. So I think, you know, I've been teaching for a really long time. And so I think when I had children, I just thought, you know, 
I can run a great classroom. Like I can work with kids. So like, this is going to be a walk in the park. I had always loved small children. I was the oldest in my family in terms of my cousins. So I'd always been around small children, but it's a whole different ball game when they're your own children, right? Like they are Mm -hmm. pushing your buttons. They're, they're meeting your triggers. Like they're a nice little mirror for who you are and any hurts that you have, you know, and it's a whole new ball game. And like, just throw on top of that all the hormone cha- hormonal changes that you go through after having a baby. And so when I had my oldest, um, you know, right away, there was like a little bit of, in my opinion, was a health scare. And this just sent my anxiety through the roof. And it was not actually a health scare, but it was just one of those things that I didn't have all the answers to. And it just started everything off on this kind of wrong footing. And I was constantly in this place of feeling really anxious, feeling anxious, like I was going to do something wrong. And this is me, a full-blown, I will totally say a recovering perfectionist. And I am still (laughs) working on it because, you know, I want everything to be perfect. And with parenting, there's no perfect. There just isn't. And so when you're aiming for perfection in parenting, like you are going to miss the mark every single time. And that feels really daunting when you miss the mark every (laughs) single time. So, you know, after I had my oldest, I went through this really, my postpartum actually didn't kick in right away other than that anxiousness, but my postpartum actually started kicking in around the nine month mark when I started thinking about going back to work and no longer being able to be that perfectly present person, if you will, Mm. you know, I'm little air quotes here because- Now I wasn't going to be able to be there. I wasn't going to be able to direct her day all the way through from morning till night. And this was a really big thing. And I went through a really, you know, dark place where I felt really alone. And how I usually like describe it is I had this void within me. I had this life that I had been dreaming of for so long. I had a husband who was really supportive, who was really involved. I had, you know, I I am privileged to have, you know, family who helps us. And I had this beautiful baby girl that I had been waiting for. And there was still this piece of me that was missing and I could not figure out what to do about it. And for somebody who's very goal oriented, you know, very kind Mm -hmm. of like, and I could always put it on the to-do list and then check it off. There was no place to check this off of my list of to say like, oh, I've done this and now everything's great. There was just this void within me that I couldn't figure out. And I became a person who I didn't love. You know, I was starting to take things out on my husband that didn't need to be taken out on him that had nothing to do with him just because I couldn't really figure out what I needed. And I just felt so alone and lost in a sea of people, you know, like this is the thing is like, we don't have to necessarily, we don't just have the void because we are technically alone. Like we can have this feeling of a void and be surrounded by people. There's both. So this is when I really, like I had always really been into self-development, but this is when my self-development journey really started to kind of take off. Cause I was like, this is not okay. The way that I feel about myself is not okay. The way that I'm, you know, projecting things onto my husband is not okay. Um, And this is when I started to get into meditation and yoga similar to you. And so I started just even, I booked myself a membership and I started going out at least once a week so that I could do a yoga class or do a meditation class. Um, And I started actually with Ho'oponopono, if you're uh, familiar with it. Um, It's like a 
in meditation. And so I started doing that and, and um, yoga and intuitive movement. And I just kind of started doing that. And then I really started to look at nutrition. You know, I had always been a fairly decent eater, but I had really, I wasn't taking the time to really nourish my body in the way that I knew that it needed to be nourished. I wasn't always eating my meals properly through the day because I was busy with my daughter or whatever, right? So really making time and taking time to have set meals for myself, to actually carve out the time for myself to eat properly. And so then it just kind of started snowballing over over the time. And then when I had my second, um, I was in a much better place as a parent. But then COVID hit and I went back to work the week uh, that COVID kind of got called. I went back for a preliminary week to just shadow teach uh, the week before, and then the week it got called. And so I was all of a sudden online teaching with a one and four-year-old at home. Mat leaves had never been great for me in the past. Like my mat leave return for my oldest had been kind of traumatic. So I was in this place once again, where I was just like, what is happening? Like I've done all this work on myself and here I am again, Right, you know? when I really took the next level deeper. And this is why I love the analogy of the onion, because it was like the first time I like dealt with the one layer. And then when COVID hit and I had, I was back from mat leave, it was like, I was dealing with the second layer. And just this past year, I started dealing with another layer. Right. And it's like, we, it's not like we're looking for this destination and we're really on this journey of like self-healing and self-love. And it's not like mm-hmm. a one-stop shop. And there is no perfection and that we're going to that we're going to be able to just check it off the list and be like I have healed myself I am feeling great for the rest of my life yeah. you know and so yes. that was my journey and I and that's how I really got into hypnotherapy and NLP as I worked with a coach who is a hypnotherapist it kind of stumbled upon me when I was working with the the um hypnotherapist from a friend and it really like it just it had such profound impact on me. I remember after my first session walking outside and I know this sounds like a little bit woo woo, but it really, I don't really know how to explain it otherwise, but I went out for a walk after my first session and it's not like, oh, after my first session, I was like a completely new person, but I went out after my first session and I went for a walk around the block and I came home and I said to my husband, oh my gosh, like it was like a different world out there. And that to me was like, the first time that I had actually been truly present because mm. I like I heard the birds chirping. Like there was like trees that were so beautiful. Like it was like I had walked that same strip, that same block multiple times before, but it was like this deeper level of presence that I had had. And I was like, okay, there's like, this is pretty amazing. Like I feel like a completely different person, even though I had still so much stuff that I needed to unpack and stuff from my own childhood and my own postpartum journeys and all that kind of stuff. But I was just like, wow, there's like an actual world out here that's so freaking amazing. And I really started to go for walks. And the one thing that really started to connect me with my presence was sunsets. And I would go walk and I would see the sunsets and they would just bring me so much joy because I was like this is like just gorgeous like the colors and how they were different every time that it wasn't like this it had to look the same every single time it was like there was Mm. beauty 
all of them, every single one, the days that there was lots of clouds, the days where there was none, the days where there was streaks of pink, the days that it was just bright orange. Like, and to me, this is like so multifaceted in the fact that every day can look so different and still be really beautiful. Yeah. Well said, Maria. Thank you. So I want to ask you a series of questions and just give me your honest opinion and just whatever comes to mind offhand. Okay. Okay. What is the one thing that changed you throughout 2023? Oh, there's so many things. (laughs) The one thing that changed me through 2023 was... mm, I think I'm going to say healing some like generational stuff that had been going on that I really hadn't maybe had the courage to face before. So setting some really clear boundaries with myself and with other people and getting really intentional with those boundaries, not feeling like they had to be mean or meant I had to cut people out, but just that um, I could set them and abide by them and really know that I could do that from such a loving place. Oh, great. Self-acceptance is? Self-acceptance is understanding that you're not perfect. And self-acceptance means that even in those moments that feel really messy, there's so much beauty in them. And that if we really allow ourselves to understand that each and every emotion and experience that we feel has a beautiful message for us, that it doesn't have to be something that we have to shy away from, like, and that we're allowed to feel all the varieties of emotions and that all of them are correct um, in that moment, that to me is self-acceptance. Oh, that was so well said. Thank you. Uh, seriously, that was well said. Um, as a parent, what makes you feel the most beautiful? Literally sitting in my pajamas on the couch <laughs> with the girls, just snuggling and like, or watching them play now that they're kind of playing on their own a bit and just hearing the laughter and knowing that I'm surrounded by my family. That is just, that to me is just the definition of joy. Hmm. What is your word for 2024? So I have this thing where I set a word for the year. Um, My word for 2024 is growth. What is your word? Mm. I like growth as well. Like I feel like growth is a good one, but I think I'm going to go with love. Like love for me, love for others and allowing that love to like have that ripple effect. And that, and I think, matched with the word love is like grace and compassion, grace and compassion for myself and where I'm at and grace and compassion for other people who aren't always showing up in the way that we've decided that they should have shown up in the moment. Because that's a big one is it's easy to, you know, think about how we thought that that person should have shown up, but having grace and compassion for how they're able to show up for us sometimes too. And that's, I mean, I feel like that's a multifaceted answer that could go into a big whole thing, but I'll stick with that for now. No, it's a great answer because sometimes we just set these expectations on people and they're not signed up for it. They didn't agree to anything. So I think that's like such a perfect answer. If your life was a picture book, what chapter do you think you're in right now? How many chapters are there in total? (laughs) I don't know. You call it. Um, I feel like 
I feel like I'm really just getting started, to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like, I'm, you know, maybe like a third of the way, you know, I turned 40 this year and it just, what I thought 40 would look like is totally different than what it is. Yeah. You know, I thought it would kind of be this, this old geezer who, you know, <laughs> getting ready to put my, my cane out or something. But right. Like I'm just getting started. You know, I, I made a huge career change two years ago. Like my girls are starting to get independent and we're moving into a different phase there. And yeah. And I feel like I'm uncovering th certain things, but I feel like there's just so much more love and beauty to, to find. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would have actually said like later on. And then when I really thought about it, I was like, no, I feel like there's still lots to go. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I feel the exact same way. As a mother, what has discipline taught you? That what has discipline thought taught me? To me, it has taught me flexibility. Oh, it has taught me answer. discipline isn't one answer. It's right. And that discipline today looks different than discipline tomorrow because to be a parent means to be flexible and to know that we can change each day and every day can look different, but still be amazing. Even on the messy days. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so good. If you were to describe your life in one word, what, what word would you choose? Mm, this is a hard one. Mm -hmm. um, I would have never gone with this, but I think I'm going to go with joy. And it's something that I, has taken me a long time to lean into. You know, when I left my job, I did a joy challenge because it was something that I had to really work at is feeling safe to feel joy. And But when I really look at my life, it's filled with joy. Even though there's been lots of hard moments in my life, um, really, if I zoom out, it's filled with so much love and joy. Oh, that's beautiful. Maria, can you leave all of us? with one piece of advice, either a quote, a saying, or just a thought to support us moms out there that are going through the thing every day with our children to just inspire us, what would it be? Yeah. So my biggest thing is there's no such thing as a bad mom. You know, I see so many comments of like, I feel like a bad mom today. I, you know, but you're not a bad mom. You're in a moment of time and every single moment can be altered, you know? And so when we can give ourselves that grace and compassion, other people learn how to give us grace and compassion. There's no nobody who is defined by one thing. Nobody's bad or good, even though our world tries to teach us, even through Santa, you're either naughty or you're nice. You're right. neither. You're everything and every part of you is learning and growing. And so you can't be put into a box because you are multifaceted. And maybe that day, the things that you did didn't feel great to you. So then decide that they didn't feel great to you and look into options of how can I do something even so small, like how you said that day where you were crying at the kitchen table, you decided today's going to be the day that I start my meditation journey, you know, or today's going to be the day that I start taking three breaths when I wake up in the morning, even if that's all I can do. You know, what is going to be your one small step? We don't, we always think that we have to have this grandiose plan, this 
You know, we think that everything has to be the destination on the very first day. But if we start taking these really small steps, every single step leads us to our destination, whether we want to or not. And it just is so much more manageable when we can have bite-sized things, we can feel accomplished. Yeah, well said. Thank you for being here and I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Sophia. I had such a good, like, it's so nice to have these conversations to really just, I don't know, to feel like we're A, not alone, but B, that we're also surrounded by people who, I don't know, want to help us to see where we can also go as well, rather than this is just the way it is, you know? And so thank you so much for having me. Thank you for providing this opportunity for so many people to be able to see that there's so many other answers out there than just where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Maria Harrison dropping pebbles of knowledge on how, as mothers, we can become more compassionate to our kiddos and ourselves while parenting and letting go of perfection. I hope all of you enjoyed today's episode. If you are in need of a coach, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I can support you. Hit the link in the show notes to get in touch with me. Until next week, ladies, continue to aim for you and be well.